0: Five four three two one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Ah, let's get over to the news. Let's have a happy day today. Oops, first, we're going to talk about this commercial from Sports Direct, which I just think is a lot of fun and it runs pretty fast. So let's go. Everybody's sitting around on, bored on Christmas Day. One guy's oh, doing a so crossword boring. puzzle. Or I'm busy, busy, busy on, looking Gail. at their phones. Snowing. Oh, it's snowing. Let's go outside. Uh, what do you do with my new boots? And yesterday snowy, was like then. the and first day snowy. we've had any snow. Here we go. Got ya. And these are all sports legends, probably in the UK. Come on, watch it all, yeah. Of course, I don't know who they are. Okay. Oh. I've got you. Tennis, making tennis balls. <laughs> Have fun in winter. Get outside, like my mom used to always say. Go outside and play. We used to come in with our with our toes completely frozen off. That's it. Go outside. Right? Get outside and play. We'd come in and have our toes frostbitten because we had skates on from the year before that didn't fit. And we could only get them on if they if we wore dress socks instead of warm socks. <laughs> we didn't care. I remember screaming when she'd pour cold water on our toes. <laughs> Except for four or five hours of sub-zero weather. <laughs> like, how cool is that? How fun is that? That's what real life is about. Anyway let's get over to the pdf news okay this first article i think is hilarious and i'm sure you won't agree but instagram sues analytics company uh because they're they're analyzing instagram data without instagram being involved So they're doing what Instagram offers to their customers without Instagram in the middle. I think it's hilariously funny. A Hong Kong-based company, Social Data Trading, allegedly scraped data from Instagram and used the information for paid analytics service. Let's have some competition. Let's see how the analytics come out. Okay, the the stuff that was getting scraped was verified badge status. Follower count, post count, number of likes, and number of comments, as well as information about certain user followers. You know, I got a notice. I haven't been on Instagram much, but I got a notice from Instagram a few years ago, and they said, we suspect suspicious activity on your account. Okay, well, if you suspect that, why don't you do something about it? And a couple days later, I had 10,000 new people that I had followed. Oh, great. You know, and it was bodybuilders and stuff. <laughs> and uh, like hair hair stylists and makeup makeup people. I got such weird followers that I followed. Of course, I didn't follow any of them, and I got 10,000 of them. It took me years. I would just, you know, while I was watching TV or something, hit unfollow, 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 unfollow. So I don't have much hope for Instagram. That was all bots, I think. And apparently people are regularly buying fake accounts on Instagram, and that's the way you get it done. Um, But... so. Meta, the owner of Instagram, you remember them as Facebook, claims that social trading, social data trading violated Instagram's terms of search service and also violated California state law dealing with unauthorized access to computers. But it seemed to me that it was similar to the LinkedIn case, which happened a few years ago and... and Courts ruled that that if it was if it was information that anybody could get on somebody's profile, then Instagram has no business telling everybody it's confidential information. And that's what which that's what Adar Singh said. See, Singh said that we only drew on publicly available information. He said, accessing and analyzing publicly inf- available information is a fundamental right, whether done by hand, on paper, or through the assistance of technology. Sounds right to me. And then it goes on to say, and here it explains the ruling about scraping, and it seems to me, you know, it's like if Instagram and Facebook and and <laughs> LinkedIn had decent tools. You know, I have over 12,000 followers on LinkedIn. Try to get in touch with them. You know, they used to give you their email addresses, which is, you know, you could publicly get. But it's a pain in the neck. <laughs> and then they and then they opted everybody out. They made an opt out, which I'm fine with. I think that makes a lot of sense. But then they by default opted everyone out. So it made that it made the access to your own connections almost worthless because you can't you can't message them anything. You know, you can't say, I'm coming to Minneapolis, I'm doing a show or something. Nope. Or a a meetup, let's get together. Nope, can't do any of that. So anyway, I'm glad somebody's competing with Instagram with Instagram's data. Okay. This is something that you know you think, well this is gonna be a boring show. This is something that every marketer should understand. It's crucial Understanding EBITDA multiples. This is the kind of information that I that I tell CFOs that you know I can help them with. I don't I don't know. I've met some incredible marketers that didn't know their head from a hole in the wall in an accounting basis. You know that told me that they generated more sales than the cost of their ads, so they thought they were break even. I said, you know, we got to we got a, we got to, we put little things in the boxes in the sale. Those cost us money. Did you ever think to subtract that? Maybe that'd be an idea. They got, you know, like deer in the headlights. I'm not saying these were excellent marketers. I'm saying that these were real marketers, and they were making more than I was from that client by a lot because they were the digital guys. Woohoo! The young kids. They had no idea what a break-even, just even basic break-even analysis, and I have a show on that if you go search on YouTube. Anyway, what this is about is, it stands for earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, okay? It's basically the operating cash flow a business generates. So you've got a PL, and l you've got top-line revenue. This is how much money we took in, okay? And then these are our expenses. And it's not very well written because it says you take net income and adding back interest, expenses, taxes, and the cost of depreciation and amortization. Okay, well, that's in the bottom line. That's in the expenses and stuff. And what we're looking for is is a picture of a company. Here's the revenue up here. And here are the costs. But we don't want to take the costs that aren't related to doing business, because if a company buys them, you know, it may it may buy off their debt, it may buy them for the cost of their debt, right? Or or contingent liabilities that they're facing that they don't have the resources to fight the legal battles with, like this scraping company or something like that. So sometimes a business will will sell itself to deal with other problems. But what buyers want to know is Here's the revenue you took in, and here are the rev are the business operational expenses that you might not that we might not have to deal with. So, as a great example, uh country club dues, company cars for personal use, payments to non participating family members. You know, maybe it's a family business, maybe it's a, it's second generation. And so I'm the oldest, I'm running the business, but my brother doesn't want to run the business, but in the will it says I got to pay him, you know, a 5% royalty because my dad said I had to, okay? Well, if the business gets sold, and I had a friend who had a business that was kind of like that, okay? And we would talk every year about the crazy stuff that had to happen because the family, the father had given each sibling, an equal percentage of payment of ownership of the company. So this, you know, the oldest had to had to pay them off every year. Well, that would not be part of EBITDA, okay? Because it's not an operational expense. And if it gets bought by somebody else, that would be the first thing to go. But each family member would participate in the sale and get 25% of the cash. Okay, so it makes sense. Okay, they're not trying to rip anybody off. Okay, so back here. The higher the multiple of e- – so what happens now? You're going to sell your company, and it's a $10 million company. That's your revenue per year. But $9 million of it goes to inventory and overhead and and, and uh, keeping the lights on and salaries and all the rest of it. Okay, and you know another half of that million dollars goes to taxes and interest and stuff like that. So your, so your bottom line end of the year profit is, is a half a million dollars. But some of those operational costs we're going to back out because it's, you know, that goes to pay the country club and the cars and, and other stuff that the owners of the company like paying themselves as a business expense, but it keeps their income low. Okay. Maybe they lease equipment to the company. <laughs> I, I had another boss who did that. It's a pretty smart idea. Or they own the business and they pay the rent. And I had them, you know, many, many small businesses do that. They they personally buy the bu- bu- the building and then the company pays rent to it. So uh, accounting is very creative stuff. Whether you believe it or not, you marketers. But anyway, so now we've got a half a million dollars before uh before all these other crazy stuffs, okay, come out. And so or maybe we got a million because that was the operational. There were nine million in operational expenses, so we got a million dollars on the table. Now what we do is we say, okay, you did a million dollars in EBITDA last year. The profits were half of that, but we did a million dollars in 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 uh, in profit. Okay, and we're just going to take that and look at it because it doesn't matter how much money you make in a year if you don't if if you don't have any profit left buyer is interested in profit now that's not always true sometimes buyers are just interested in revenue growth and they figure that they could that you're running the business terrible (laughs) and that they can make a lot more money buying it from you now that's oftentimes there's a hubris in buying companies and there's often big surprises you know, I had a, a friend who was president of a, of a, of a catalog company and he bought a competitive catalog that only printed twice a year and it was in black and white. And he thought, boy, if we make this color and jazz it all up, but he didn't realize that that market was very, very reluctant to spend extra cash. It wasn't like his market, even though it was the same sport. And he, uh, He got a rude awakening finding that the low overhead approach of of one color black and white catalog mailed rarely in big runs was way more economical. And it ended up being not a great acquisition for him in retrospect. So sometimes but sometimes there's growth is happening in sales and the operational cost to scale up to that level can be can be, you know, there's a big learning curve. And so that, so the, a company can be growing a lot. Growth is expensive. and But a bigger company might want to buy them because they're not growing so much. And it'll look better on their balance sheet to their investors that, oh, they got some growth because they bought a growing company. Okay? It wasn't really anything in a core business, but whoopee, we get some growth. Anyway, there's all kinds of factors. And this article kind of just hit, hits on the top of the waves. But the point is, is that, you know, like if you put in machine learning, if you can figure out and demonstrate that the machine learning actually raised your value, your customer lifetime value, that can increase your multiple, especially if you actually do it with someone who knows what they're doing. The buyer could be interested in applying it to, their, to other of their divisions, and that would have value beyond the EBITDA. And so what happens is when there's, kinds of, when there's those kinds of instances, what happens is the buyer will offer a premium multiple. So we'll take that million dollar EBITDA and you might get three times it if you're just st- kind of stagnant. But, you know, it's a family business and everybody's happy and that's not uncommon either uh Especially a printing business, you know, the owner's getting up there in age. He doesn't want to reinvest. He doesn't want to, you know, put in all kinds of new presses and new equipment. He just wants to keep it going the way he's been. It's his retirement, and he's doing fine. But now he's getting old, and he wants to do something for his kids, and they don't want a, a part of it. Okay, so that'd be a three-time multiple. On the other hand, if you've got, you know, I did work. Against actually Toys R Us, who told investors that they were going to put in a, a customer database and they were going to they were going to know all the stuff about their customers. The problem with that was that they forgot to mention, and none of the marketing people thought of it. Is I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Well, that's the problem. You do grow up, and your kids that loved Toys R Us when they were five and six and seven and eight, they get to be fifteen, and they're just not interested. <laughs> so all the data on the 7 year olds only applies to next year's 7 year olds it doesn't apply to a con- continuity of interest by your by your aging customer base something to think about anyway but toys r us sold it and went bankrupt because it was not at all true it doesn't work that way okay so anyway what we've been in the business of doing 17 times we've had clients hire us and dramatically improve that multiple. I can't do a whole lot. Sometimes I can't. I've done done things to help the profitability, but mostly I've been able to help the growth. And that growth takes your multiple from three where it has been just a dormant little company or it's been declining in sales. Oftentimes I've taken that and taken a declining uh, sales company. That's in my book, one of them that... We grew 20 percent in a recession, the first year, 20 percent, the second, 20 percent, the third. 60 percent improvement it's actually more than that um, over three years, um, can dramatically help your valuation, right? And I've shared the Lovesack case. It had a lot there were a lot of people involved, but we showed them how to use testing to leverage their marketing budget and learn from it. And then take what they learned in mail and leverage it onto digital and mass media. And they grew um, 100% in the three years we were with them. That's a, that's a big deal. And it's a public company now. So they went from 50 to 100 million, which is public information. Um, and, you know, I understand they're doing great. But that, that gives their stock a higher valuation because they went public and uh that's the kind of thing that you want your marketing people fundamentally your marketing people to understand and sean has a a video out on youtube um that i've excerpt where he where he talks about how how incredibly good their marketing staff is at figuring out where is the is the value where's the leverage where does the marketing spend generate growth generate profit and uh and, and every marketing person should understand the value of EBITDA. I'm not gonna go after the whole article. There's a lot of stuff in there, but it's really important. So subscribe to WDMA.org and, uh, and read the rest of the thing. You'll learn a lot if you don't have much, um, if you don't have much accounting background. When I started marketing, I had zero accounting background. So it's really, really helpful and valuable. And if you want case studies, on how valuation can be increased with data, I highly recommend my book, Spinning Straw into Gold. It's available in paperback, but you can just go over on Amazon and get it in, uh, in Kindle for about, I don't know what, eight bucks or something. Maybe it'll make you a couple of million. Have a great day. Like and share your friends and know you're smart. Have a happy new year. I can't wait to see how 2022 shakes out. Bye-bye.